generally when I speak to someone who suspects stalkerware, I don't ask about their phone, I ask about their life. And does your partner or ex-partner or do they suddenly know a lot of things that they shouldn't know and let this know to you? If they consistently seem to know the content of your WhatsApp messages with your sister, that could be a telltale sign. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cybersecurity Sessions, our regular podcast exploring all things cybersecurity. I'm your host, Cyril Noltego, Principal Security Researcher at Netasea, the world's first fully agentless bot management product. Our reliance on personal mobile devices leaves us vulnerable to attack, not just from anonymous criminal groups, but in some cases from those closest to us. Stalkerware, which is tools that enable someone to secretly spy on another person's private life via their mobile device, is a growing concern for security and privacy advocates, as well as law enforcement agencies. To discuss more about this growing threat, I'm pleased to welcome my special guest for this episode, Martijn Kroten from the Coalition Against Stalkerware. Welcome, Martijn. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, would you like to start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. Uh, so I'm Martijn Groten. I am a Dutch cybersecurity professional currently based in Greece. I've been working in cybersecurity or digital security almost 16 years now in various roles. I'm currently working for my main job is, is at an NGO, but I'm not, not representing them here. Uh, and I've done some other work on the side, focusing on what we call tech abuse. And one of those uh, projects is the Coalition Against Stalkerware. And how did you become involved in researching and talk about stalkerware? I had been working in cybersecurity for years, and I've always had an interest in the impact of security on vulnerable groups and populations. And one of these vulnerable groups is domestic abuse survivors, people who have a real reason to be worried about their partner or ex-partner, who quite often can be, be violent, spying on them, monitoring them, tracking them. And... I knew some people who were doing some work on stalkerware, who were trying to get antivirus companies involved. And at the time, I had a job where I was working with a lot of antivirus companies. So I kind of joined these conversations and kind of that's how things started. And that's when we, with a group of us, started the Coalition Against Stalkerware a little over three years ago. What kind of organizations are involved in the Coalition Against Stalkerware now? It's a very large number of organizations. I think we have more than 50 well, at least more than 40 partners uh, from all over the world. Uh, some of them work directly with, uh, with survivors. There are some, some groups that have women's shelters, uh, that run women's shelters. There are a number of organizations that at a national level focus on domestic abuse or intimate partner violence. Mm. Um, we have a fairly large number of cybersecurity companies as well. And I like the, the mix of those. Like we, we support each other. We use the, the technical knowledge of these, these companies as well as the knowledge of what things are like on the ground to, to work together. Sure. Let's get into kind of the stalkerware apps themselves. You know, what, what do they do? What are their kind of core capabilities? So stalkerware, it, it's mostly a phone thing. So let's just focus on phones. Sure. Stalkerware spies on the activities of the phone and therefore implicitly of the, of the phone's user. It can read messages, it can see who you call, sometimes it can listen in on calls. It often can see your location, and, and quite often that in real time, like where you are at a particular moment. It can sometimes turn on the microphone to listen to its surroundings, listen to conversations happening near the phone. Not all stalkerware has all of these capabilities, but I would also recommend not to overthink. If, if you're worried about stalkerware, assume that it can, can do a lot and try to 
mitigate that risk. And what's the distinction between stalkware and, and spyware? So, so spyware uh, is generally used as a term for any app that spies on a device, uh, that's a phone or a computer, and, and its users. And stalkware is, is spyware that is tailored to, to, to be used to spy on a partner, which is different from other kinds of spyware which might be used by, by criminals who want to spy on someone who's handling a lot of money to spy on their transactions and maybe redirect them, or the spyware that's used by governments, sometimes to track people they suspect of criminal activity, sometimes people they they just don't like, like critical journalists, opposition activists. I mean, in, in addition to those, we also hear about kind of corporate data collection, um, you know, like employers um, kind of intercepting stuff from employees. And um, I was speaking recently to some researchers from the University of Bath who were looking into the, the kind of the ethics and risk around remote employee monitoring software. And kind of some of the software were, they were looking at warranly included stuff like keyloggers and quite privacy intrusive monitoring. And that kind of sounds quite similar to kind of what you're talking about in, in Stalkerware. Do you think there's uh, scenarios where the software which is advertised as monitoring or legitimate surveillance uh, software is then abused by stalkers? That's definitely the case. Uh, Stalker, when it's advertised, like on, on the websites that people can use to buy it, they rarely make it explicit that this is tailored towards abusers. So they say this is for employers to monitor their employees. Uh, they sometimes talk about work from home. It's it's very important to note that pretty much all stalkerware is, is hidden, and that's a key feature. And I think that employers monitoring employees is a very dubious ethically practice in general, even if it's done um, openly with, with uh, explicit knowledge of the employees. But it, the, it should never, ever be used in a secret way. And employers should not secretly monitor employees. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, some of the stuff they were looking at, um, you know, had key loggers that had, um, it could turn on the camera and take, take, you know, pictures. I thought that that really looks like something that's probably trying to pretend to be employee monitoring software than than yeah. Um, yeah. really is. But apart from that, is uh, are there other ways uh, you know people can get these? Are they advertised on hacker forums or is it really always through these kind of legitimate looking um, apps? There are probably like like underground places where people discuss spying on partners more open, openly. I mean, not just probably these exist. But and without trying to make it too explicit because I don't want to give advice to people who want to spy on their partners. Uh, because I think that's something you shouldn't do. But yeah, it, it, you don't have to go on the dark web, so to say. You you can do it all. Uh, these things can be found on the open internet and can be purchased on the open internet. You don't have to be like a like a skilled hacker to use these tools. Right. And how are they installed on the victim's device? Is it just you need kind of physical access to the device or can stuff be done kind of remotely? Yes, you need physical access. It is extremely rare for this to be uh, installed remotely because phones are actually pretty secure. And we know that spyware exists that is installed remotely. Governments use that sometimes. Your listeners may have heard of something like Pegasus. Right. But that is orders of magnitudes more complex and also orders of magnitudes more expensive. And that's basically something that an average user cannot get access to. So yes, the stalkerware, when it's installed, uh, requires physical access to a uh, device, which is, on the one hand, it's good because it means that not every abuser has physical access to to that to a target's phone because 
sometimes the relationship has broken up and they don't have that access anymore. But at the same time, many people still live together. Even if they don't live together, they may have reason to visit each other. Um, I know many cases that are like, um, uh, they share children, so visit each other. And that's why there's physical contact and short-term access to a phone. Uh, you mentioned uh, domestic uh, abuse survivors. Are there any other kind of groups which are affected by stalkerware or is it really just those? There, there are other groups um, when there's like a, a power imbalance. And one thing, and, and we know very little about that, um, but I know anecdotally that that occurs. Uh, migrants who are forced to use uh, traffickers uh, right. and they have like a power imbalance there. They're often dependent on these human traffickers. And there are cases where they install something on their phone. This may happen with their, their knowledge because the, the power imbalance is so clear that they often don't have a way to refuse these things. Um, which right, is like. also the case in some domestic abuse situations, like stalkerware. A main feature of stalkerware is that it's secret, but not every abuser needs to be secret at spying on them. Sometimes they explicitly tell their their partner or ex-partner that they're doing this. Uh, and if it's someone who's very violent, um, they're not always options to refuse. Right, because yeah, because sometimes you know even the fact that the the victim knows that they're being spied on is part of the you know. Uh, part of the beast themselves as part of the power play. That's true. And I even know of cases where we believe, or I believe they weren't being spied on, but people just claimed that they were spying on someone. How widespread is, is stalkerware? Um, kind of in terms of kind of reported cases or at least anecdotally that you've um, spoken to people about? So stalkerware is really hard to measure. I know some security companies, they measure what people with their security product on their devices see or, or have on their devices. I've done some back-of-the-envelope calculations and extrapolated some data. I think that we can completely talk about about a million cases a year. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know how many of these are actively being used, how many of these are people just testing out something without actually using it. Maybe people are using it to monitor their children, which is another case that is often sold as. And again, I, if you want to monitor your children, there's no reason to do this secretly. Right, and lots, lots of phones have kind of parental controls on them anyway that provide some sort of monitoring already. Yeah, and good parental control software um, makes it clear that the phone is being monitored. And I can understand with young children, parents may want to do that, but there's no reason to hide this fact from the children. And then kind of the, the million or, or, or so, is that in specific ge geographies or is it kind of more of a worldwide? It is really a worldwide problem, and I don't have a good feeling of, of if there are certain countries where it's more common than other countries. Uh, recently, one of the main stalkerware makers, their their database was, I'm not going to say hacked, but basically they hadn't secured it. It was basically all out in the open, and some people were looking into it. And they found the top 10 countries of number of, of users, and it included the US and the UK, because you know they're, they're large companies with many people online. But in the top 10 were also Tanzania and yeah. Ghana. So it is, it is really a, a global uh, issue. There may be certain countries where it's, it's more common than others, but I find it really hard to say. It, it is a global problem. And then I think in your, your coalition, you, you've got kind of representatives from across the globe kind of dealing with it as well, right? Yeah. Brilliant. So let's talk about kind of the legality of kind of using this software, because obviously this there's going to be laws around kind of stalking and harassment and domestic abuse. Does, does this kind of fall into that or because it's through kind of technology, is it, does it fall into kind of some of some kind of loophole? 
So Stalkware in itself as, as software is really hard to be banned and it's probably legal to exist and to purchase in most of the world. And personally, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a bad thing because otherwise you're thinking about banning code, like programming uh, code, and that, that's a very slippery slope. The use of Stalkware to spy on on a, on a partner or an ex-partner or some something someone else, and I've seen it used like in in, in family, like uh, on siblings uh, as well, is almost always illegal under existing laws because people have privacy in relationships. Uh, there needs to be consent for these things. If there's not, then it's it's illegal. And what are some of the telltale signs that there might be Stalkware installed on your device? So that. That's a very good question, and, and um, there's a lot to say about this. So I know people who, for testing purposes, installed a lot of stalkerware on their own phone just to see, and they say there were barely any telltale signs. Uh, the phone didn't run uh, significantly more slowly. Um, apps didn't suddenly crash. And and I mention this because sometimes people who are worried, you know, maybe they have a an abusive partner or ex-partner, and they're worried about stalkerware. They say, well, my phone suddenly is being funny. And your phone is being funny, it's almost always because the phone is old or, or just buggy or, you know, you've installed too many apps or some of these apps that you install are kind of right. buggy in themselves. The only exception is that may be noticeable to a normal user is, is, is battery life because Stalkerware, if it uses location, you need to turn on GPS and GPS is just heavy on battery. But it, there's more to say to this because a sign, but there is a big, a big caveat to make here. That's a telltale sign of them somehow spying on you, uh, which could be stalkerware. But actually, a lot of the cases that I, I, I've dealt with, people I've worked with, they didn't have stalkerware on their phone, but there was something else. For example, someone had access to their, their Google account right. or their Facebook account or some other social media account. And someone who's worried about stalkerware, the, the first thing I would recommend them to do is just do a security check on all your accounts that you regularly use. Firstly, think about this password that I use on that, is there any chance that, that, that they could guess it or maybe know it? Because people in relationships share passwords. And if you haven't changed that after the relationship goes bad, it, people break up, uh, it's possible that someone can still log in. And pretty much all social media or, or email apps or, or services let you do a security check so you can see which devices are connected to it. So if you use Gmail, you can check your account. You can see when was this account last looked into, which devices are connected to. And if you suddenly see like, hey, there's an iPhone with access to the Gmail, but I don't use an iPhone, that's suspicious. And there are ways to kind of exclude someone. And I think it's beyond the scope of this podcast to explain how to do this for every service, but but you use Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook, and then it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They all have security checks. Uh, and they're usually pretty user-friendly uh, and just use a search engine to to find uh, to find them or ask a, a friend for help to go through do like a security checkup of your of your account. If you conclude that okay, there's no access to any of these accounts, then a next step might be maybe there is something on my phone. And then I would always ask yourself uh, what the question is because Stalker requires physical access. Could this person have have had physical access to my to my device to to install something? And and does the stalkerware required device to be kind of rooted or uh, jailbroken? On an iPhone, yes. Uh, iPhone, Apple is, is currently, Apple has a very strict policy. So you can't really install an app manually on the phone if it's not on their store. And people have tried to upload stalkerware to the app store and then they got, got removed. 
So on an iPhone, it requires to be jailbroken, which uh, in practice means that uh, it needs to uh, have run an older version of iOS, the operating system. So people can check what version of iOS they're running. If it's the, not the latest version, update. And you don't have to have an excuse to update. Like if you're worried about your, your partner, updating is a generally good thing for security. We generally recommend that on your security podcast. I'm sure you've talked about this. Patching, updating is important. So you don't have to say, I'm doing this because I'm worried about someone at the price. If you keep your, your iPhone up to date, then you have no reason to worry about software. They may still have access to your Apple account or your Google account, et cetera, because that's still a possible concern that that's much harder to stop. But you can do security check. Experiencing bot attacks, but don't know who's attacking. You need a bespoke threat insights report from Netasea's threat intelligence experts to break down how you're being attacked and advise on how to reduce bot attack risk. Visit netasea.com slash threat insights for more. You mentioned earlier around kind of like GPS and location tracking. Um, is that something that you, because I know at least on my, my Android, right, you can change which apps have access to kind of the, the location or kind of switch location off. That is actually a very good point. So just to follow up to the, to the previous answer on Android, you don't need to jailbreak or root a, a phone. Someone can install Stalkware on an Android phone. Uh, it kind of depends on, on how new the phone is. But on most phones, someone can install it if they're prepared within a minute or so. Oh, wow. Um, and you don't need to do any, do any routing for, for most functionality anyway. So yeah, GPS is a, um, uh, location is a concern. Now let's just focus on Android because that's, that's where we see most Alcoware. Um, Android has a, has a nice feature called the permissions manager, which is in the settings. Uh, for example, you can see which apps have access to the location and you can just go through all these apps. Now, most of these apps are legitimate apps. You may notice like, like Google maps, which you may have access to location. You can say a little bit more about, about the Google Maps uh, in a bit, but okay, you, it's a legitimate app that's not something someone else installed. You may find Uber or Lyft or something like that, which for obvious reasons need access to location. But you may find a weird app. Now, Stalkerware probably doesn't, if it's installed, probably doesn't call itself by that name, but you may it may say that it's a calculator app. Now, there's no reason why a calculator app would need access to location. And that's something, if you find something like that, then you can start asking questions, especially if the location accesses, and you'll see that if you do the, go to the permissions editor, if the location is provided all the time and not just when the app is being in active use. You mentioned you'll, you'll come back to, to Google Maps. Yeah, so, so Google Maps, I think by default, if you just set it up, uh, ask access for your location. And if you set it up, Google knows your location all the time. Now, we can discuss whether that's a concern, whether you trust Google, but Google is not going to share this publicly. Like Google uses this data to improve its products, probably to deliver you more targeted ads because it knows about you. But from a someone who's worried about stalking, what is relevant here is that if, say, your your ex-partner has access to your Google account because you haven't changed your password, they still know it, they can see your location. They can see, not in real time, but they can see where you've been. And for some people, that's mm -hmm. a real concern. And therefore, it is important to know what apps have your location because you may not care about Google as a company. You may think you may trust them or you just may not be worried about that. But if someone else has access to the location, then they can see where you are. The same for an app like, like Uber. If someone has access to your Uber account, they can see which trips you've taken. Yeah. So if your ex-partner has access to your Uber account, they can see which trips have, they've taken. And sometimes that's, that, that can be used to intimidate. Oh, I know where you went or why did you visit this person? I thought you weren't seeing him anymore. That, 
which okay. goes back to that kind of that first step of kind of checking your that the apps you have and the access to those those accounts. Yes, yes, exactly. So if I suspect someone else has installed Stalkware on my device, what can I do about it? Is there a risk involved in removing the app at all? Okay, so so first I would still I would again recommend going through your accounts and, and checking these because in practice, based on my own experience, that is far more likely yeah. to have happened. I would also do do a mental checkup because there's also what we call uh, a social league. Like sometimes people have friends in common, mm. even if they're broken up, they have friends in common, and this is how information leaks. So this is how they may know a lot about your life, even though you you don't share anything with them, or maybe you're sharing without realizing a lot of things publicly on on social media while they're still following you, or it's public. So go through all these things. If you've excluded all these possibilities and you still have a good reason to assume they're stalking on you, yes, you can go through the, the apps. You can go to the permissions manager. That's probably the best way. Like look at permissions that you think are being exploited, like location, and check if there's a dubious app. If you find something, you can remove the permission. You can also uninstall the app. That would remove the, the stalkerware. But one thing, and, and that's why I like your question, one thing to keep in mind is that if someone is indeed tracking you this way, they will stop being able to do so. That may be what you want, but I know of cases where people were still in a relationship or still living together at least, and the abuse escalated. It came from monitoring, it became physical because this is it's about control. So yeah, uh, and actually the same applies if you remove them from your Google account, from your Facebook account, you remove this access, you change your password. Keep this in mind. Like if someone is, is monitoring you and, and really someone can only decide it for themselves, is it safe to remove this access? Is this person going to become more violent, more abusive? That's not something I can answer for someone. But always ask yourself this question. And is there anywhere people can go to get advice in those kinds of situations? Because that feels like quite a big decision to be making. It, it is a big decision. So there are many, many places have like local abuse shelters, some of whom are, are somewhat set, are set up to some extent to support with with what we call tech abuse, which is the use of technology in abusive relationships. There are also helplines in many countries. In, in the UK, there's a national domestic abuse helpline uh, at 0808 2000 247. In the US, it's 1 800 799 7233. That's the domestic abuse hotline. You can call that if you suspect any kind of domestic abuse, including technology abuse. People can help you. You can also do that if you, and, and, and I think if you su suspect someone else, a, a friend, a relative has some kind of these issues. And I'm saying this because the listeners of this podcast, they're probably, they're more techni technical people. They may be asked questions by a relative like, hey, I suspect I have this. And as I always say, stalkerware and any kind of tech abuse is first and foremost uh, a domestic mm -hmm. abuse problem. And you may be very confident with technology. You may not be confident with, with supporting someone. And you can call these helplines if you want help helping someone else. Uh, and finally, and, and I think this is an important point to make. Someone may listen to this podcast and they may realize that actually what I'm doing to my partner or ex-partner is not okay. Like, or yeah, I, I have installed something or I, I'm, I'm considering doing that and I, and I need help with that. And, and these helplines can also support you in that either directly or they know where you can get help. And that's a really big step to make. Uh, but I know, at least in, in of one case where a talk I gave led to someone calling such a helpline 
or, or, or seeking help themselves and, and deciding not to use technology abuse. And I think that is that is really, uh, really awesome if, if this happened. So yeah, use this if you have any kind of questions about uh, domestic abuse or technology abuse. Great, that's, that's really useful. And I think we'll um, make sure those numbers are uh, included in the description for this this podcast so people can, can, can take them from there as well. So kind of we've talked about what to do if kind of you, you suspect stalker have been on your device, but are there any preventative measures to stop it from being in- installed in the first place? You mentioned that you need to have physical access. Yeah, so so because it requires physical access to an unlocked device, because someone needs to do something on the device, you can either remove that access if you can somehow keep your phone with you all the time when you're in the same room as your abusive ex-partner or so, or you have a passcode on it or a uh, a fingerprint or facial recognition, something that means that someone else cannot unlock your That means that they cannot install stalkerware. Now, that's easier said than done. Like, people can set up, obviously, a, a password or something like that, but it's not always safe for someone to do so. And I think I want to acknowledge that. It's very commonly used as an argument, like, especially if the relationship is still going on, like, why do you have a secret passcode on your phone? Yeah, what, what, what are you hiding from me? Exactly. And I understand that um, it's very hard to do so. I also don't want to shame people who use for pragmatic reasons, share passcodes with, with, with partners because people sometimes do that because only one phone has the banking app that they both need to use or they want to check things. People do that. People make their own choices. Um, but yes, if you are able to set up uh, a passcode or a fingerprint or a face facial recognition so that the person of concern doesn't get access to your, your phone, then that's a, that's a great way to, to recommend it. Well, well, thank you so much for, for highlighting such a serious problem and some, some advice for dealing with it, uh, Martijn. Uh, before we close out, do you have any closing advice or, or comments for our listeners? I want, want to repeat again what I said earlier, that if, if you're listening to this as a, as a technology expert or security expert, that keep in mind that this is first and foremost a domestic abuse problem, uh, and you may not be an expert on that case. And I say this as someone who initially came to this subject from a technical angle. And I've learned a lot. I've done some some trainings. I've spoken to a lot of people. And I'm only f- gradually feeling more confident in the in the domestic abuse space to, to understand that side of the problem. So this is first and foremost that problem. Uh, and don't dive in first. Like don't just grab the phone and then try to remove whatever. Because, yeah, we talked about earlier, before removing something, first ask the, the person whose phone is this, like, is it safe to do so? Secondly, there's no shame in, in, in having this happen to you. I mean, it, it, it's really bad. It can be really bad. It's not your fault. And also, I really hope that this won't stop you from using technology because technology is, is great. I've seen how technology can be great support for abuse survivors mm. because it, it, it helps them connect to relatives. Even when they don't feel safe leaving the house, they can still talk to, to relatives on, on, on social media. I hope people will still keep doing that. And again, mo- pretty much all social media uh, and other big tech companies let you do a security checkup, let you check your accounts for access. Facebook has a, I think Facebook is the best, but it, Google is also really good. Really all of them, even TikTok has, has a way to, for you to check your, the security of your account, do a, like a security checkup and, and, and make use of that. Get in the habit of doing it regularly, even if you feel that your, your past days, it just gives you some idea of what's happening to your account. Thank you so much. Martin, for, for your time. I think it's been really interesting and a really useful episode. Thanks for having me.
And thank you to all our listeners for tuning into this episode of Cybersecurity Sessions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and like or leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. And we'd love to get your feedback. You can also get in touch with us via our Twitter at CybersecPod or by email to podcast at letterseer.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again next month. Bot attacks are becoming more frequent, more time consuming to stop and cause untold damage to your brand. Thankfully, Netasea Agentless Bot Management detects up to six times more threats and stops bots automatically. Block more bad bots. Go to netasea.com.